welcome back to the Birth Class Podcast, where we're ditching the typical childbirth education and instead using that knowledge is power approach to take back control of our birth experience. I'm your host, Lizzie Bolliger, childbirth educator, fierce birth advocate, and a mama with three unmedicated hospital births under her belt. Let's jump right in. Welcome back to the show, moms. I've decided to do the last episode of each month as a Q&A episode. So the last week of January, I did a Q&A episode. I collected questions from you guys over on Instagram. And this week, I mean, technically it's February, but I'm supposed to release my podcast on Monday. And Monday was the last week of January. So Q&A episode for this week's episode of the Birth Class Podcast. And I decided to take our Q&A from Unmedicated Academy and record it and put it here on the podcast. So this was our Q&A from this week. These are the questions that the moms brought to me this week. And I just wanted to give you a sneak peek inside of Unmedicated Academy and the kind of support that the moms are getting. It is so much more than just a childbirth course. Yes, you get video modules or you get modules of video lessons. You get printables, you get homework. That part's very typical in terms of the structure. But what I'm saying is you're not going through it alone. It's not like here's the videos, watch it and good luck. I am with you along the whole way. So as soon as you enroll, you get access to our Q and A's until baby arrives. Um, and so when moms ask me like, when's the best time to enroll? Really? The sooner you enroll, the, the more support you're getting in pregnancy. There's also some bonus modules inside of the Academy, um, that are specific to the unmedicated pregnancy or different pregnancy supports. And so the sooner you enroll, the more access you're getting, the more advantage you can take of the materials inside of the course and the more Q and A's you get, the more one-to-one time with me that you get. And you'll see when you, when I'll share the clip from our Q and A in just a second, I'll stop talking here and then keep talking. But, um, it's not just questions about the course. These are questions that are coming up specific to you and your pregnancy and your journey, and even going into like prepping for postpartum and the questions that are coming up there. So I'm going to go ahead and play that clip from our Q and a this week. It's totally unscripted. I don't have like anything in front of me. It's very off the cuff. It's just very relaxed. Uh, and this is how our Q and a goes. So you're really getting a feel for what our Q and a is like inside of unmedicated Academy. So here it is. Good morning. Um, I know I look crazy (laughs) with my frownies on. Um, If you've been following along on my Instagram, I'm like obsessed with these, but um, I meant like, I fully meant to like get completely ready before our call, including taking these off. But this little girl, she's actually getting mad that I'm talking right now. She is tired and I need, you have basically have to like wash your face to wash them off. Um, and so I need two hands to do it. So here we are with my frownies on being recorded on our live. Um, anyways, and it, 
they kind of like fit with our theme of being unmedicated. It's like, it's like similar results to like Botox, but without medication. Um, and you can use them while you're pregnant and while you're breastfeeding. So anyways, side note, um, you guys brought some great questions today. I do have our chat open right here and I'll periodically look at it as I alternate back and forth between your questions and, um, the comments, if you hop on, say hi, so I can see you on here. We did have a new mom join yesterday. So I welcomed our new moms in the question thread yesterday and we had another new mom join last night. So if that is you and I'm blinking, I didn't make a note, a mental note of your name. I want to say it was Cassie. If that's you, Cassie, welcome. And welcome to the other new moms, Isabel. I see you on hello. Okay. I'm going to jump into your questions because they were really good questions this week. Morgan asked about cord blood banking. And she said that her daughter, her daughter, her doctor brought it up and she hadn't even like really thought about it yet. Um, and this is nothing that I like teach in the course or anything. So it's not something that you like missed out on. If you're like, Whoa, I haven't even heard of that yet. Um, cord blood banking is a process of collecting cord blood blood from the umbilical cord and cells from the umbilical cord and freezing them um, to potentially use in the future for like medical use. So think of like a bone marrow transplant, how we utilize um, bone marrow from donors for specific things. And it helps like your body regenerate cells, that sort of thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's the same process as, as that but it's using your baby's cord blood. And so the benefit of that is it's a perfect match for your child already um, and potentially could also be a perfect match for um, other family members. You know how same with like donor situations, family members tend to be a closer genetic match, right? Um, so that's the purpose and that's what it is. Now, I don't think it's very popular, which is why Morgan, you've maybe not heard of it yet um, because it's expensive. And I don't even know, like I couldn't even give you a number because I've never looked into it, but the, the cost is high to privately store your frozen cord blood. Um, so I feel like a lot of parents don't do that unless they have that expendable resource. Um, and you may never use it. You may never need to access it. Um, so those are some of the two biggest reasons why parents don't do cord blood banking. And it also interrupts delayed cord clamping. So I did a quick Google search and they say that even delaying cord clamping 30 to 60 seconds greatly reduces the amount of um, cells they can retrieve for cord blood banking. So you can almost guarantee if you are going to opt in for cord blood banking that you are opting out of delayed cord clamping. And we know that delayed cord clamping has a lot of benefits um, immediately for baby and also long-term for baby. So you have to really weigh the pros and the cons there. I have no doubt that there would be a family that knows that there are medical issues happening uh, down the line or they're higher risk for that. And so the benefit of banking that cord blood would be higher than the benefit of that immediate or that delayed cord clamping. So 
something to look into. Personally, I would rather my child get the immediate benefits of the um, delayed cord clamping and those long-term benefits than have like something that we would maybe not even use down, down the road. Good question, Morgan. Okay. Eden says she's been dealing with some hip pain the last few weeks, mostly after sleeping, tried some stretches, but nothing seems to totally hit the spot yet. And of course, OB just recommended to, um, medicate or deal with it. Um, does Eden doesn't want to take Tylenol, but she's having a hard time coping. Any recommendations is this normal. Uh, it's definitely very common Eden. And Sarah gave you some great advice. That was exactly what my advice was going to be. Um, it's definitely very common. Um, just as our body has more relaxin, things loosen up, your hips are getting wider, your belly's getting bigger there. We have to pay more attention to alignment to stay comfortable. So very common aches and pains, but I wouldn't necessarily say normal, especially if you're getting to the point of having a hard time coping. So Sarah suggested sleeping with a pillow between your knees, and that is definitely recommended. There's some other uh, things you can do for resting smart. So it's called like smart, smart resting or smart rest. I'll link to it in um, the comments on this video when we're done, but it's from spinning babies. And they talk about just a couple of key things to pay attention to when you're resting to help promote alignment and help promote being comfortable. Um, so the pillow between the knees is, is one of those things. And to make sure that your hips are like aligned. So your hips are on top of each other. So that's what happens when we don't have that pillow between our knee, our hips, that top hip starts to pull forward and it's creating an unalignment and stretching out your pelvis muscles, which are already loose. Um, so that's why it's uncomfortable. Um, so having that pillow there can help stack your hips better. And then also putting a pillow behind your back could be helpful because whether we realize it or not, we're, we're we are using our muscles to try to keep that alignment. Um, and we can relax into a support behind our back and, and be able to relax our muscles a little better and get some better sleep, having that back supported as well. Okay. And I'll link to that smart rest article for you guys to look over. Um, Isabel said she's feeling really nervous that she won't have enough supply to breastfeed her baby. She's been doing her own research on natural baby formulas just to be on the safe side and be prepared. All the formulas I've looked at have safflower, safflower, sunflower oil, which is not good. Um, Isabel, you'll have to tell me, I'll, I'll tell you the brands and let me know if they, if those are the ones you researched, but let me finish your question. Can anyone recommend a natural formula or have any info on giving babies raw milk? Um, so let's go back to the first, I want to address the first thing you said, of course, you're worried about not making enough because that's the narrative. That is what all moms think that they need, um, formula or they don't make enough, like we're not enough. We need intervention. That's the narrative that we hear for our birth too. Well, you know, you need to be in the hospital. You need help. You need Pitocin to speed things along when the reality is, is your baby's, your body sustained life during pregnancy. It did what it was supposed to do in pregnancy, which we tend to have more trust there. It's going to do what it's supposed to do in birth. 
And I feel like we, uh, the unmedicated Academy moms have a lot of trust there. It's going to continue along that process and do what it's supposed to do for breastfeeding too, especially if you have the undisturbed unmedicated birth that sets you up for success with breastfeeding. So I just want you to know that, that that's a common narrative that we hear. And it's just not true. True low supply is very rare and it's, you can work around a low supply if you're willing to have the mindset of breastfeeding is a non-negotiable. Um, of course in our society, like if you have to go back to work, that could be your non-negotiable. Um, and that makes the breastfeeding relationship a little more difficult. Some moms have no hiccups. They go to work, they pump, they continue with their supply. They continue to breastfeed their baby for over a year. Um, other moms go to work and the pumping is one, it's more stress. Stress is hurting their supply. Um, they aren't getting enough help with how to pump their body's just not responding as well to the pump. So there's lots of different things that can happen. True low supply one is not very common, but we also have moms that are, uh, they make just enough. They're just enoughers. That's me. So if you hooked me up to a pump, I am not going to pump out a lot. Um, it's not going to be like those moms that are like, look at my freezer stash. I could pump like maybe just barely and not quite enough for what my baby would need. And breastfeeding was my non-negotiable and I quit my job so that I could breastfeed my baby. And we just don't see that. We don't see that happening. Of course, our, our society is not set up for that. Um, we very often need to incomes coming in. Uh, I know that's not an option for everyone. We definitely took a hit in terms of adding a different kind of stressor on because we were living off of one income. Um, but I just want to also normalize like that, that is a thing. And I've heard of other moms who decide to stay home for the whole first year to make it work, to be more successful with breastfeeding. So the just enoughers or the low supply moms, the workaround is you breastfeed your baby more. So it's not that your body doesn't make enough. It's just making just enough. So you have to have the demand there. So breastfeeding is supply and demand. The more baby is at the breast, the more your body will make milk. Um, it's just that the oversupply moms, they can like feed their baby and then go pump. And they have, they have so much milk. Um, but that's not even the norm. The norm is the just enough moms, like in my experience. So I just wanted to put that side of the story out too. Um, and unfortunately, like in, in other countries, moms do get a whole year to stay home and breastfeed their babies. Um, and I know that's not an option for all moms here, but I just want to put that out there because the narrative from our society is kind of the opposite, right? That you have to supplement. And the formula industry is a big money maker. So um, of course there are, are messages everywhere at the hospital. It's like formula and your pediatrician's like, I don't know anything about breastfeeding. So formula. Um, so just be aware of that and be mindful of that. Now, in terms of the best formulas and I haven't done a ton of research on this, but from what I know, it's uh, formulas not made in the United States. So uh, formulas made like in European countries. So hip is one it's called hip. Um, oh my gosh. What's the other one called? So I think it's H I P P for hip and I'll link to these two. Um, and so I'll make sure I have the name right. And the other one is called, um, 
Holly or Hall. They're like German, right? So it's H-O-L-L-E. Um, and typically their formulas ingredients tend to be a lot better. They have a lot more regulations on um, their food industry than we do. So I hope that those um, look like better options for you. And since I know you're here watching, I'm going to put, okay, that makes me feel more at ease. Yeah. And honestly, I wouldn't even, I would, you could research the formula, but I wouldn't even buy it until you see that you need it. Um, because all that does is kind of like put some doubt, like, oh, I don't know, my baby's fussy. Maybe I'm not making enough milk. Let me just top the baby off. Um, and when you start to kind of supplement with that formula, it's removing a little bit of the demand. And so your body might make less milk. And honestly, this is what happens. This is why so many moms don't breastfeed as long as they want to. It's just because, um, they don't know it's a total lack of support. Um, okay. Oh, and then the other option in terms of raw milk. So I know some moms will do raw goat milk. I don't know about doing that right off the bat. So like, I know you can do that in like older, like once you introduce solids, raw goat milk would be a good option, but there definitely are, if you can dig deep enough recipes for formula for homemade formula, um, that I believe utilize raw goat milk as well, along with some other things too. So just keep that in your back pocket and you can research that a little bit. All right. Carissa asked a few questions. So I like this first one. I feel pretty relaxed about birth, maybe a little too relaxed. Am I being naive? Um, because that was me. Like I felt like I had a huge belief in my body and I had a little, like with my first, right. I had a little bit of anxiety, like, Oh, I'm a little nervous, but for the most part, it was I believe my body can do this. Everything's going to work out. I even like had some, um, visualization going on. Like it's going to be quick. It's going to be, um, easy. We're not going to have any problems. Baby's going to be healthy. Um, and I don't think that's naive. I think that is a big part of it is having a belief in your body. The naive part comes in. If you're walking into the hospital with just that, with only a belief in your, in your body and a belief in your, in birth, that's not quite enough for the hospital setting. So Krista, you'll be fine. Cause you're learning all about the hospital setting right now. Um, and what to look out for in red flags and how to support what you already believe in, in a system that doesn't believe in your body. Um, so that's the hardest part is that you have to block out the disbelief from our hospital model, um, of care. And then, um, Krista also said that she's totally weirded out about the idea of having her husband do the, the per perineum massage. I always say this word wrong and people on, um, Instagram get mad at me because they're like, how can you be an expert when you can't say perineum it's perineum, but I say perineum all the time, whatever. Um, and I don't have a doula. I can barely reach around my belly to wipe. What's the best way to do this myself? Or do I need an assist? I think you could definitely do it yourself, Carissa, if you were maybe like laying down or maybe in the shower um, and just like try to get around that big belly <laughs> as best as you can. Um, after the shower is the best time to do it because your skin's already soft and you can just use, you can use your thumb. That might be a little easier to reach and just reach down and press down and make a U shape. Um, you can use lube if you want, if that's more comfortable, you can do it in the shower too, with like a leg up. If you have 
um, room in your shower. Some shower stalls are like real tight when you're pregnant. Um, but you can definitely try to do it yourself. And I wouldn't feel weird about having your husband. I'm sure he would be happy to do it. Um, and you, you could be like, that could be like a foreplay thing. I know it doesn't sound super sexy, but it could be like, oh, okay, well, I need some help. And then maybe, you, you know, I don't know, just a thought to make it less weird that your husband is like in your vagina. Um, and it's not necessary. Like you don't have to do it, but the evidence does show that for first time moms, including the perennial massage does help reduce tearing. So for a first time mom, because first time moms are more likely to tear, it is a good idea to include this a few times a week, um, from like 34, 35, 36 weeks on. Okay. And then another great question about crib mattresses worth the investment. What's important to look for. So, um, personally, I have never put any of my children in a crib to sleep. Not that I didn't buy the crib and buy the crib mattress. I had a crib with my first and then never put her in it. So then with the second and the third or with the second, I was like, I'm just going to get a bassinet. I'm going to use the bassinet this time though. Never used it with the third, still got a bassinet just in case, like just in case never used it. Um, in terms of like breastfeeding and breastfeeding through the night, it's just so much easier to have your baby in the bed with you. Um, not to say that that's everyone's comfort level. I totally understand. Like when they're very, very tiny, it's like, oh, it's a little nerve wracking. And honestly, I did use the bassinet a handful of times when they were itty bitty to like give myself a break in terms of having to have like my mom tuition, my mom intuition, like on high, um, to know that I could like lay on my belly for a little bit. Cause like you should, uh, if you look up like safe co sleeping practices, the cuddle curl laying on your side, um, facing baby is the safest way to sleep. And it's like the most intuitive way. Like you'd never have your baby in the bed and then you would face the other way. Like you just would not do that in intuitively. Um, so I do like the bassinet in that case to like be able to lay on my belly or, or roll around if I felt like I needed that. Um, so back to the question, if you are getting a crib, the thing that's important to look for in a crib mattress, one, all crib mattresses are safe in terms of like firmness. So when we talk about like regular mattresses, you want the mattress to be firm because you don't want there to be any dips where baby could like roll in and, and get like face down on accident when they're too small to turn their head. Um, so in terms of like regular mattresses, like you want your mattress to be a firm mattress, but in terms of uh, crib mattresses, they're all going to be firm and safe, uh, in terms of the firmness and that sort of thing. What you want to look for is an organic mattress. And so, I mean, this is going to be your personal preference on if that's an investment you want to make, but think about this is that our skin is our biggest organ. Um, and we do absorb things uh, from our skin, just like we don't like to use like scented laundry detergent with our little itty bitty babies. I mean, even with, I, I, we don't use like fragrance, anything in the house because those chemicals can absorb through your skin. Okay. So the same thing for your baby. And it's more important for your baby because they are developing their brain more in like the first year than you do in the rest of your life. So reducing your toxins in the home is really important. 
And if you think of the mattress and your mattress too, really, you sleep on your mattress for eight hours in the day and more for a baby. Like if your baby is napping on the crib mattress, it's going to be more than eight hours a day that they are uh, touching this mattress, breathing on this mattress. So to have an organic, organic, organic chemical free mattress um, could be worth the investment for you and for your family. So Newton uh, crib mattress is one that's really popular. Avocado is another brand. There's several out there. Um, but that would be the one thing I would say that you could look for and invest in if that's important to you. Okay. Mm -hmm. The next question, and this is the last question, uh, was from Sarah. I felt like I've spent a good amount of time educating myself on labor and birth, but haven't done much to learn or prepare for once baby is here. Is it naive to just lean into the motherly intuition? Is there any books or podcasts or resources you'd recommend for educating yourself on how to care for your baby slash growing a human? Okay, so first thing is check out the bonuses for the postpartum. So the postpartum bonus module, there are a few resources in there and you can like click through to their website, to their blog, to their Instagram, where they have even more like great information. Um, I think the two big ones that I have linked in there are on track baby, which they talk a lot about, um, baby development. And I 100% recommend following them on Instagram. They do a great job at educating and like dispelling the myths from the baby industry. So like, you don't have to swaddle, you don't have to get a bouncer, you know, things like that, that the baby industry kind of drills into us and they, um, come at it from like an occupational therapist point of view and what is going to set your baby up to like hit their milestones, their developmental milestones and promote development. So great account to follow. They also have a, a membership or a course that you can look into, um, on, on their sites. Um, and then the other area that I have resources inside of unmedicated Academy in the bonus module is the postpartum bonus module is Isla grace sleep. And so there's some great sleep resources that, um, kind of mimic attachment style and, um, are like gentle. So not really sleep training, but some, some strategies to promote like good sleep while still promoting a good attachment. Um, so that information is in there too. And then I have another, um, occupational therapist. Her name is Lindsay Williams. I just connected with her this week actually. And she started a six week program for moms. So she's doing it live right now and she's going to do another round. Eventually I think it'll be a self-paced course, but right now it is, you know, six, six weeks, six classes. And her big thing is really helping you tap into your intuition and to better like connect with your baby and better respond to your baby and that sort of thing. Another book that I recommend is The Attachment Parent by um, Dr. Sears and his wife. I'll link to I'll link to all of these in the comments as well. And to answer your question, like I don't think I, I it's the same thing as with our birth course, right? You don't need anyone to tell you how to birth your baby because innately, you know how to do that. And your body knows how to do that. The same goes for taking care of your baby and motherhood and that sort of thing. The problem is, is that 
the birth industry and the baby industry are screaming at us all these other things that make us second guess our abilities as moms. Um, so I 100% believe that you can just trust your intuition and you'll know what to do. Um, but it's hard because everyone else is telling you otherwise. I really do like the book, the attachment parent. Um, when you, when I read it, it really validated, like everything that I do as a parent is a thing. Like it's actually a type of parenting. Um, but you wouldn't know that because people are like, be careful with baby wearing or, um, you know, buy all these contraptions for your babies or sleep train your babies. And that is not attachment parenting at all. So, um, definitely look into, into that book. All right. That's all the questions. Let me see if you guys put any questions in here. All right. That looks good. The, these were great questions and I will see you guys next week. If you need anything between between now and next week. You can put it in the group um, and we'll chat later. Bye guys.